you're an influencer, you are your brand, you know? So everything you do and everything you post, it is your brand and having, it, it kind of becomes like a, a second, like a mask per se. So it's like this image of yourself that you have to present for the sake of social media. So every comment, whether it's positive or negative, is usually taken very personally. You're listening to Filtered Perceptions, a podcast that unravels our complicated perceptions about success and achievement by sharing unfiltered stories of growth and grace. My name is Siobhan John, and join me as I go behind the scenes of the social media highlight reels of creatives, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share honest and relatable truths about self-care, resilience, and creating a life that feels great for you instead of one that looks great to others. Let's start the show. Imagine giving your all to something only to realize that you no longer want it. In today's episode of Filtered Perceptions, I speak with Krista Knight, a software engineer and former natural hair influencer. I was first introduced to Krista in 2017 under her YouTube alias, Pretty Little Fro. But what really caught my attention was a video she did earlier this year entitled, Why I Cut My Long Natural Hair and Deleted My Instagram Account. Now to put this in perspective, Krista had a social media community of over 50,000 followers and her hair was the focal point of her brand. So you're probably wondering, as I did, why did she decide to walk away? Unbeknownst to her followers, Krista's online success came with a price, which inspired her to stop living for likes and begin living for herself. In today's discussion, we unravel perceptions about online influence and fame, the impact that Krista's online brand had on her offline relationships, and most importantly, how Krista is doing now and what she's doing differently. Hi, Krista, and welcome to the Filtered Perceptions podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, You're welcome. So I am so thrilled to speak with you today. Um, I actually stumbled across your work back in 2017, but what really caught my attention was a video that you published in April 2018, I believe, and it was why I cut my long natural hair and deleted my Instagram account, Um, mainly because I was (laughs) so sparked by your transparency in that video and Um, the real important message of the importance of choosing to live for yourself. So we'll talk more about that and what inspired that video and the path that you've sort of taken over the last year or so. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to start with talking about the woman that you are now. So I know that right now you're a software engineer, you recently graduated from college, but like, how would you describe the Krista of today and what you do? Oh, wow. That is a tough question. (laughs) Um, I think today I am in in less of a career sense and more of a personal sense. I do, I I put my happiness first. Um, I put my self-care first and um, I try not to let the, the outside views of how people think I should be um, change who I am right now. And that was a, a big part of my life previously. Um, so now I always live to make myself happy. 
Um, so that's sort of how I am now versus how I was previously. Yeah, that's very powerful. So like, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go back in time to how you were previously and like the path mm-hmm. that you got to being a person or a woman who is very grounded in choosing herself first. So let's go back in time to when you started Pretty Little Fro. Uh, what year was it? Like, what was the, ins- like, what was going on in your life at that time? And what was the inspiration behind starting that brand? So I started Pretty Little Fro in winter break of 2000, like late 2016, the beginning of 2017. Um, I was in winter break on from class and I was pretty much bored. I really, when I started Pretty Little Fro, I had no, uh, I really wasn't starting it like with like a big purpose or reasoning behind it. Um, I was always really into hair and I would change my hair like every two weeks and I still do that pretty often. (laughs) Um, But I just changed my hair all the time and I was bored and I had sort of been like dipped my toes into YouTube and blogging beforehand. Um, But my sister actually was like, why don't you make, you know, some hair videos? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. That's something to, you know, occupy my time. Um, And it just kind of blew up from there. (laughs) So I guess it definitely blew up pretty quickly, I would say, like in the first yeah, couple yeah. Like month, it was pretty popular. Yeah, I think in the first month I had gained like 15,000 subscribers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was definitely unexpected. I really wasn't like trying to do anything. It just kind of happened. <laughs> that's like, it, that's a pretty big jump from, you know, a hobby to auto like overnight to becoming an influencer. So I guess it's pretty much safe to say that within a month, you kind of knew that this was a lot bigger than just, hey, I'm going to share my videos. (laughs) It kind of sucked me in right away. (laughs) Yeah. So in that way that it sort of pulled you in, like, what did you sort of start feeling? So I guess there's probably a pressure that comes along with the fact that, you know, being essentially someone who is just creating things for fun and relatively unknown to now being on like, let's say the explore page of YouTube or things like that. Like, what did you sort of feel as that was happening? Yeah. At first it was really exciting because I was getting all this like great positive feedback and everybody, you know, thought I was great. And, um, So, of course, I I thought myself, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm so great. (laughs) But then came the part where I started getting this criticism, Mm. um, which even though I'd been on social media, like I'd been sort of on Instagram for a while then, I really never got anything negative. And when I started getting the negative comments and the people, you know, sort of nitpicking at certain things, either about my hair or about my personality, I think that's when I start to realize, okay, I need to act a certain way in a video. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure, you know, I look a certain way and do things a certain way because the normal, like, I don't really care personality that I was giving um, people weren't not a lot of people were perceiving it well, but those few people that weren't, those were the ones that stuck with me. Yeah. And just being a, a consumer of YouTube content, like, it's, it's interesting because there's like a lot of great content, but there is like, as you said, like that dark side of the negativity of the comments that people leave on, uh, on accounts. So for yourself, like, did you find that that was really challenging or like, how did you deal with that? Like receiving kind of those negative comments? 
I that was probably one of my biggest struggles throughout my YouTube career was the negative comments. And it came to a point where I wouldn't even go and look at my comments mm. because it was just it, and it didn't even have to be a comment that was like extremely negative. It could just be something like they disagreed, like, oh, like I prefer when you wear your hair this way or like something along those lines. And it would really upset me, even though you know, I'd be getting hundreds of positive comments saying if that's one negative comment and your your day is ruined and everything. So it just came to a point where I didn't even look at my YouTube comments anymore because I knew it was causing all this like emotional fluctuation that I didn't want to feel or deal with. Yeah, for sure. So I think right now we sort of live in like a culture of social media influencers or people wanting mm-hmm. to become an influencer. So with having such quick success with Pretty Little Fro, like essentially within a month, you're sort of thrown into the spotlight and, mm-hmm. and, and becoming an influencer. Like, what do you feel, I guess, was a misconception or like, what do you think are some of the biz- biggest misconceptions of being an influencer or having like a large following? Because I think a lot of times people look at it from the outside thinking, I would love to have so many followers and be able to have so many people reach my content or to be able to connect with so many people. But for yourself, as you'd mentioned that it was a very challenging time, but like, what do you feel were some of the things that were challenging for you or maybe is a misconception of being an influencer? I think the biggest misconception is one that everybody, once you get, you know, a couple thousand followers, you're just making all this money and everything's (laughs) great, (laughs) which you're not. (laughs) And I think another thing is when you're an influencer, you are your brand, you know, so everything you do and everything you post, it is your brand and having, it kind of becomes like a, a second like a mask per se. So Mm -hmm. it's like this image of yourself that you have to present for the sake of social media and your real self. But that, that is still you, that still is a representative of you. So every comment, whether it's positive or negative is usually taking very personally, Mm -hmm. even, you know, if you're, if you're not showing your full self on social media, when you are your brand, everything is very, very personal. Absolutely. And do you feel like that you were able to show up as your full self while you were doing this brand? No. <laughs> In a very, I, I felt like I had to be this very happy girl who had, you know, perfect hair, who didn't struggle. And anytime I presented the struggles of having um, very long, very, you know, like the type of hair that I had, it was always taken like, oh, you don't love yourself like this and that. And it's like, no, these are just the realities. And people didn't want to see that people just wanted to, you know, see the glorious and, you know, side of it. And they didn't want to see the side where I spent, you know, eight hours every weekend having to do my hair and, you know, the three days that it took for my hair to dry before I could even wear it. They only wanted to see the end product. And when you, show them the not so pretty side of certain things, they take that very negatively and people don't really want to see that. Yeah, for sure. So at what point for you did you realize that this was not the life that you wanted to live or at least the brand that you wanted to have for yourself and that it was time for you to kind of say goodbye to Pretty Little Fro? I think I realized that when 
people, I, I got a lot of messages um, about saying how much I encourage people to wear their natural hair, um, which is awesome. But at the same time, when I looked at myself, like I, I didn't feel that that positivity because I felt like everything are, I felt that the only valuable thing that people were seeing from me was my hair and that mm-hmm. I was um, sort of putting out this message that if you have long hair, like your life will be great and beautiful. And I didn't want to put out that message because I wasn't even living that. Like my hair was long and I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just felt like I was kind of living this lie. And also just the amount of time and the amount of time that I was putting into YouTube was taking away from other aspects of my life, like my relationships and like um, my job and other things. So it was affecting these other parts of my life because I was so focused on this one thing that I wasn't, I was ignoring these other things. Yeah. So it definitely became so all consuming that you were, exactly. you know, not even being present in your like offline life (laughs) exactly exactly it was always I was always thinking about it all the time Mm. and it kind of it was something that I've been thinking about for months so maybe even after like six months in that's when I kind of started like I I I knew that I needed to let this go but it was very very difficult so it took me Mm. like months after that to finally actually let it go yeah because so what was kind of like the main, I guess, the tipping point for you to say, like, to say, hey, this is the time for me to pull the trigger to to move on? I, I really think it was my personal like relationships and how much I was letting them slide. And I realized how much time I was putting into my YouTube channel and it was hurting my personal relationships with people that meant a lot to me. And even though they voiced that to me, like sort of throughout, like I didn't really see it until I guess this past, like winter, this past winter, Mm -hmm. um, like 2017, 2018 winter. Um, And that's when I realized like, if I want to, you know, keep this relationship strong, I have to let this go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very courageous choice to make because as you mentioned, like there was a lot of followers, subscribers, and Mm -hmm. there is you know, a, a brand that comes along with it. And I know it must be very challenging to make the step to walk away. But what's very courageous is the fact that you did it, you know, to ensure that you were taking care of your, your well-being and mm-hmm. as well as, um, you know, cherishing the well-being of your family as well, too, and the relationships that you have. Exactly. So, so with that decision, like you obviously made the decision to walk away, but you also made the a great decision as well to share it on YouTube because um, as I mentioned at the top you had like a really great YouTube video that talked about why you cut your hair and why you deleted your mm-hmm. accounts and also in the video what was really great and what I really loved is the fact that you talked about being very intentional about not wanting to cut your hair on camera <laughs> mm-hmm. as well too yeah. so what inspired you to share um, and be so open with your followers on YouTube about what you were experiencing and the decision to walk away from the brand so that video took me probably like three months to finally <laughs> have the courage <laughs> to film I think I filmed it like so many times mm-hmm. before before that and I guess the main reason is I 
I didn't want to, one, just like drop off the face of the earth and, you know, nobody knows what's going on. But I also felt that it was very relevant because I feel like we live in a society that women are very much valued by how they look. And um, people, especially in my, in the type four community, having long hair is like very precious. And I just wanted to make it clear that you don't have to live for the sake of what other people want. And that having long hair is never going to make you happy. And I feel like so many people think like, oh, once, you know, my hair is this length or this length or this length, I'm going to be happier and everything's going to be better. But that's just not the case. And I also know that a lot of my um, subscribers were younger and I wanted them to know like that it's okay, like not to be okay. And it's okay to have these struggles and it's okay for you know, like, it, it, it's just okay, like, you don't have to try to meet these unrealistic goals that society um, tells you that you have to meet in order to be beautiful or to be happy, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I really just wanted to share, like, what I was feeling at the time. Because honestly, like, my hair was holding so much weight and anxiety. And it was it was really giving me pressure to go back and make more hair videos. Cause I was like, Oh, I still have all this long. I could do a video. I could do a video. And it was just kind of sucking me back into where I didn't want to be. And so when I cut my hair, I really wanted it to be for me and not for the sake of anybody else. And it was a very hard decision. I remember standing in the bathroom for like, probably like a good hour, like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I didn't do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it now. <laughs> and when I finally did it, just like felt like this huge weight was taken off my shoulders because I didn't have like this, like, you know, unspoken responsibility to talk about hair anymore because I didn't have hair anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's super powerful. Like it's essentially like letting go of the thing that was holding you down, like literally, exactly. literally. Yeah. So when you shared um, that story and, and it was very inspiring to watch it, um, what was the response from that? As you mentioned, like you have like a young followers as well and also folks who are probably vloggers or, um, mm -hmm. you know, having that desire to maybe be influencers as well. Like what was that response that you received um, in sharing your story since, since the time? Yeah. I got kind of a mixed response. Um, so I got a lot of positive feedback and people were telling me like, you know, this is great. Like, I'm so glad you mentioned this. So many people deal with these things, but it's not really talked about, especially in our community. Mm -hmm. um, but then from the other side, it's sort of, I feel like people didn't really understand where they were like, oh, you know, you just put these bloggers and bloggers put too much pressure on themselves. I don't get it. It's just hair. Um, so I sort of think there's, there's kind of mixed reviews where people who didn't really understand like the anxiety and sort of all the things that I were talk was talking about that was going on behind the scenes about why I did it. Um, they just sort of saw like the superficial, like, oh, it's just hair. Like, why are you making a big deal? But then there's kind of the people who like really got it and understood and probably have felt similar to how I felt who really, you know, appreciated the video and appreciated me being very open about what I was dealing with at the time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think with anything, there's always going to be folks who are just like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So like, how would you describe like, 
where you are in life right now. Um, what are some of the things that you're working on or that you're excited about? And is there anything that you're doing differently this time around? So my main focus right now is photography, just because it's been a passion of mine for years since I was little. Um, but unlike, you know, my other aspects, I'm not trying to make it a job. Um, like when I was doing pretty floor, I was like, Oh, I can make so much money, but I'm not trying to make it a job. I do it purely because I enjoy it. Um, and another thing is I kind of take time for myself, which I never used to do. It was always like, go, 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 go. Like I always have to be productive. I always have to be doing something. Um, and now I'm like, okay, it's okay to relax. Like I don't have to do anything right now. Like just sit down. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, so that's probably the biggest difference is like I take time to just do things purely because I enjoy them, you know, not for a job, not for anybody else, just purely because they, you know, they make me happy. That's amazing. So like what are maybe some of those things that like make you happy or like what is like a self-care like practices that you love? So one of the things I've really enjoyed doing recently um, is like painting my nails. I know it's like really weird, but I never, I never do it. I'm always, you know, typing on the computer. So it's just something yeah. that I just ignored. I was like, no, but now, you know, you take time, you sit down, you make, you know, your own little pedicure. I'm cheap. So, you know, I don't go to the <laughs> 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 uh, But that's like, I just sit down and take some time for myself. And I've also um, started reading books again. And I know this is, you know, like, don't you read books, but it's like, since I've gotten older, I, couldn't even remember the last time I actually sat and read a book. And I used to read like two, three books a month. Mm -hmm. um, so now I make it a point to at least read one book a month. Um, so that's been really great. I love that. Like I've also gotten back into reading as well as a regular practice. So I completely mm -hmm. resonate with that because it's so easy to just be so go, go, go. And yeah. everything has to be like work focused. If I'm going to read, it has to be something that's going to help improve my craft. Right. <laughs> and, right. Exactly. Right? And it's kind of nice sometimes to just be like, you know what, I'm going to read uh, this Babysitter's Club vintage book that I right. bought on Amazon. <laughs> so um, it, it definitely sounds that you are in a really great space, uh, a space that is one of, you know, choosing yourself and doing things that are important to you. So when you think about like the narrative of success and hustle, is there anything that maybe you once believed that you no longer believe to be true? Hmm. That's a tough one. I felt like, I guess, success comes naturally to certain people. Mm -hmm. And I'm, until I started, you know, trying to do something, I didn't realize how much work people had to put in to, you know, achieve something. Cause especially on social media, you see these people, you've never seen them before. Then all of a sudden they're like have a million subscribers and yeah. they're like semi famous. And you're just like, Whoa, where did this person come from? And it always feels like it's an overnight success. But in reality, that person's been working for like five, seven years to be where they are today. So I think that people like perceive, think, think, you think it's so easy. You don't think like posting a photo is hard or doing like making a video is hard until you do it. And you realize how much work it takes to, you know, be successful, at least in that aspect. So for me, one of the things, especially when I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, I try not to compare myself to them. Cause I'm always like, Oh, why don't I have, 
you know, a million followers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I only post a photo every five days. <laughs> and this person posts like four times a day. So it's like that perception of how much work you have to put in to be where you want to be. And I just realized that in order to, you know, be successful, and regardless of whether it's social media or some other aspect, you have to do the work. But at the same time, you shouldn't let that work consume your life. That is a word. <laughs> I completely agree with you. So before we wrap up and go into our next segment, um, I know that one of the things that you'd mentioned is that you're really passionate about helping other women really to, you know, help them sort of in defining their own path and being true to themselves. So is maybe what is one thing or one piece of advice that you want um, everyone or even just young women to know about success and more importantly, taking care of themselves? I think my piece of advice is that success is whatever you choose it to be. So whether that's making $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year or a million thousand, like a million dollars a year. Um, I, there is a book that I read recently and one of the, um, one of the little stories he told was how there was a famous drummer in a band and like he got kicked out of the band and that band went on to like become platinum and he went off and had a family um, and he was very, very happy despite the fact that he got he had the potential to be in this super famous band. And there was another guy um, whose similar situation got kicked out of a band. And that band went platinum and he started his own band, which is also extremely famous. But, you know, in comparison, not as famous as the first first band, though he was a millionaire. And that guy was extremely upset because his dreams of success were being as famous as first guy as the first band versus the other guy. His, you know, idea of success was having a happy family. So however you deem success, that's going to be tied directly to how happy you are. And you don't have to have a million dollars to be happy and just setting your own goals for yourself and not letting society determine, you know, what your happiness level should be based on how successful quote unquote you are in society's eyes. Um, so I think it's just very important to have your own set of goals and make sure that you're doing it because that's, what's going to make you happy and not what you think is going to make society happy. Very well said. So I'm just going to transition now into a segment I like to call unfiltered chat, which is just a couple of like lightning round questions. So don't have to think too hard on it. Like first thing that comes to mind, you can just answer. Right. So first question is, uh, you know, you mentioned that reading is something you're passionate about again. So maybe what is one book or podcast that you're enjoying right now? The book I'm reading about right now is called, uh, the Night Vale, Night and Vale. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's a book about like a, a city in the middle of the desert. Um, and oh, it's called Welcome to Night Vale. There you go. <laughs> it's a book about this like weird city in the middle of the desert. And like instead of like famous people being popular, like scientists are popular. It's really interesting. There's also a podcast. Um, I think the book was written because of the podcast. And the podcast is also called Welcome to Night Vale. So I'd highly suggest it. Love it. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? I would say to follow your dreams. Um, 
despite the fact that I work as a software engineer now, I always want to be a fashion designer. So if I could go back, I would tell my younger self to go to school and be a fashion designer. <laughs> Pretty cool. I love that. Um, next question is, outside of your accomplishments or titles, what is something that you wish everyone knew about you that they may not already know? I guess I wish people knew. Gosh, what do I wish people knew? I guess people knew, like, knew that knew, wish people knew that I like to talk, even though, like, I come off very shy, I guess, in public, so people tend to not, like, engage with me, but I'm like, no, talk to me, like, I'll talk your <laughs> ear off, like, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I guess people knew, like, you know, that I, I'm talkative, I'm, I'm social when, you know, you, you get to know me. I love that. I feel you. Um, I have, it's introvert problems for me as well, so. <laughs> um. What is maybe something that you struggle with or you find challenging that people think comes easy to you? Probably, I guess, being in, like, a leadership position, mm -hmm. um, even though I t somehow I tend to get into that position, it's always, like, very reluctantly. Um, and I try to get other people. I'm always like, if nobody volunteers, I'll do it type of person. Um, so I guess now people tend to think like, oh, you know, like Krista, Krista can take control and she can do it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Second last question is complete the sentence. The legacy I want to leave is? Mm, oh, my goodness. This is this is a hard one. I don't know. Or maybe what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for making a positive impact on the um, like black women's community. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my passions that I haven't actually had a chance to dive into yet is I want to um, increase like girls' interest in STEM-related fields, for, you know, yes. um, since I'm a software engineer. I love that. Um, one of my big goals is to possibly, like, work with Black Girls Code um, or something similar where I can teach younger girls who don't really get the opportunity to um, get into this type of stuff and, like, show them things and teach them lessons um, because I know I wasn't introduced to computer science until I was in college. Yeah, me too. Um, so I'd really like to do that and just sort of make a positive, uh, positive impact in that way. Yeah, that's powerful. And it's really important as well, too, to see more women of color in, in the STEM fields. Mm -hmm. And the last question is, what is bringing you joy right now? Cooking. I've gotten back into cooking dinner. Like, nice. I, I love it. I kind of stopped doing it when my life got very hectic and I was very focused, but now I always take the time out to like cook like a good dinner. Um, so I'm, I'm smiling about it right now because I'm going to go do it. <laughs> I love it. Like, what's, what am I having for now? What's your favorite yeah. thing to cook? I really like, like I really like steak, you know, probably shouldn't eat it as often as I do, but I love cooking steak and like zucchini. Oh, so good. I love it. Well, with that, I um, wanted to conclude our interview, Krista. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just being so 
transparent about everything that you've experienced. And um, I'm so happy that you're in a space right now where you're feeling very comfortable with who you are and the path that you're taking and just leading by example by having open conversations to let people know that it's so important to create their own definition of success. Thank you so much for having me. I've had an awesome time. Thank you. I left my conversation with Krista feeling incredibly inspired by her candor, her honesty, and most of all her courage to admit that she was living for others instead of living for herself. Now my goal with this podcast is to not only share the stories of inspiring individuals, but to also to help you, my listeners, also connect with your own. So at the conclusion of every episode, I'll share a series of introspective reflective questions to hopefully inspire you to unravel your own perceptions or beliefs. Now here are four questions that were inspired by today's conversation. So grab a journal or maybe even take your phone and create a voice note to record your answers to the following questions. Question number one, where in your life Are you doing things for approval or recognition? Why do you want this approval? And what would happen if you stopped doing them? Question two, is there anything in your life right now that feels like it's draining you emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? Question three, when and where do you feel the most alive and most like yourself? And the last question, what do you need to let go of before you're able to create what you want to create or even to feel most like yourself? Now, I hope those questions inspire you to dig deeper into your own life and maybe help you unravel a couple of beliefs and perceptions that you're currently carrying. Let me know. Send me a message or share your responses on Instagram using the hashtag Filtered Perceptions. You've been listening to Filtered Perceptions, a podcast that unravels our complicated perceptions about success and achievement by sharing unfiltered stories of growth and grace. Hosted by me, Siobhan John. Now, if you enjoyed or were inspired by this episode, please share this with a friend. And I would love if you took a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. This would really help us reach a broader audience and it's a great way to show your support. And I would love to hear your feedback. So don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at Filtered Perceptions. And also we have a website at filteredperceptions.co. You can visit here for more information about today's episode, including show notes and even a resource library where you can download the questions that we share today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.